I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Central Wigan Podcast. This is episode eight. It should be episode nine, but the file for the Middlesbrough review corrupted, so... This is the match preview now for the Sunderland game instead. So as we usually do it on the previews, we're going to go through the stats and the form for both sides coming into this game. Then we'll take a look at the top attacking performers for Sunderland. And then we'll go into team selection that Wigan can choose that can maybe take them on and try and get a point or even a win at the DW on Thursday night. So just to go over the reverse fixture first, we played them on October 15th when we travelled to the Stadium Alight. Obviously it was under the management of Liam Richardson at the time and not Colo Torre. And we'd just come off the back of a 1-0 win over Blackburn Rovers, which was actually our last clean sheet. So it's been a while. Charlie White opened the scoring a minute before halftime, and then Elliot Embleton and Dennis Serkin completed the comeback for the host to take the full three points. Now, I remember that game well, and I, that was the that was the game that really kick-started our five-game losing streak. We lost to Middlesbrough after that, QPR, Watford, and then Stoke City before we ended up salvaging a draw at Swansea City. We really should have won that game back at the Stadium of Light and it was really the t- sort of the time where questions were being raised around Liam Richardson and unfortunately ended up getting sacked at the end of that period and towards November. Now heading into that fixture back in October, Wigan sat ninth in the Championship on 19 points and Sunderland were two points behind in 13th place. At this point in the season, it's very different. Sunderland now find themselves in ninth place. They've got 34 points out of a possible 72 And Wigan Athletic, we are down in 23rd place with 24 points. Now just to go over the previous five fixtures for Sunderland so we can get a bit of a gist of their recent form coming into this one. They've scored nine, conceded five and kept one clean sheet. They've had three wins, one draw and a loss at home to West Brom. So Tony Mowbray is appointed as Alex Neal's successor after six games this season. And since his time at the club, he's recorded seven wins, five draws and six losses in the 18 that he's taken charge of. So Tony Mowbray is doing an incredible job there. And obviously they now sit fourth in the away form league table, ninth in the overall table. They've picked up 18 points from 12 on the road, which means that their travel to the DW is going to be very promising for their fans. Just to run through their previous five games, just game by game. December 26th on Boxing Day, they beat Blackburn Rovers 2-1. Hull City won, Sunderland won on December 17th. December 12th, it was Sunderland 1, West Brom 2. December 3rd, Sunderland 3, Millwall 0. And obviously we drew with Millwall two games ago. And November 25th, Birmingham 1, Sunderland 2. So they've been in really good form recently. And it's probably not a good time to play Sunderland because they've just got Ross Stewart back and Ellis Sims is back. So we're going to get into the who to watch players later on, but... They're, they're, they are going to be a threat, no doubt. Obviously, we need to call a spade a spade. Wigan Athletic are really struggling right now. After 24 games in the league this season, we now sit 23rd in the league, bottom of the home form table with just nine points from 12 games. And we are just fresh off the back of that 4-1 thumping from Middlesbrough for the second time in this season. Over our last five games, the Wigan have won one, drawn one and lost three. And in the same period, we've scored five goals, conceded 10 and are still yet to keep a clean sheet, obviously from that Blackburn win we just spoke about. Since we last played Sunderland 10 games ago, we've scored 9 goals and conceded 20. Now, I don't think you can point the finger at Colo Torre for this. You know, he came in against Millwall away, very tough game. Sheffield United, who were in second, and a very informed Middlesbrough side. So I think pointing the finger at him is going to be a little bit hard. Just because he's picked up a point over the three, you know, 
a lot of managers will get criticised for that, but it, this isn't his squad. He's not inherited this, and I do think that he's going to make big changes over January and the summer transfer window. He's been experimenting with a bit of a starting lineup, the play style, and to be honest, he's learning how to be a manager of a first team because he's never done it before. But over those last five games, December 26th on Boxing Day, it was Middlesbrough 4, Wigan Athletic 1. December 19th, Wigan Athletic 1, Sheffield United 2. December 10th at the Den, it was Millwall 1, Wigan Athletic 1. November 12th was Wigan Athletic 2, Blackpool 1, so that was our last win. And the game before that on November 8th, it was Coventry City 2, Wigan Athletic 0, which saw Liam Richardson sacked. So when you're going to put the two forms together and you're going to compare over the last five, this really does lean in Sunderland's favour, but this is a league where anybody can beat anybody. And you know I don't think that we can write Wigan Athletic off just yet. We're going to have to get the team selection right. We're going to go through that in a short while. But you know this is a league where we can go and lose 4-1 against Middlesbrough and then we could probably go and beat Sunderland 4-1. You, know, you just never know. Do I think it's likely? Probably not. But you know it's the championship. Okay, so now let's look at who we need to worry about. And usually when I look at opposition's players and where the goals are coming from, I usually find that there's two or three key players that really stand out. You know, like against Middlesbrough, you had your Duncan Watmore, Chuba Akpom, should really have said Ryan Giles because he got a hat-trick of assists, but we didn't. But this isn't the case with Sunderland. They've got goals and assists coming from plenty of players across the midfield and attack. Not so many from defence. You know, Dennis Serkin got the winner last time out, but he hasn't scored since. And I think the goalkeeper's assisted and the centre-back's assisted, but I can't remember the name of the centre-back, but I think he's actually out injured. But in the last match preview for this clash, I named Jack Clark, Patrick Roberts and Ahmad Diallo as the players to watch. That was only because Ross Stewart was out injured and so was Ellis Sims, who have been high-flying this season. Now, both of the latter players are back in this squad and they both scored out in the last game against Blackburn in that 2-1 victory. Ross Stewart also scored an own goal for the opener, but then he scored four minutes later to level the game up, so all was forgiven. Obviously, you can only choose three players, and there's a list of five that I've got in front of me who I would say that are all pretty much top attacking performers that we need to watch out for. You know, you've got Ross Stewart, Jack Clark, Ellis Sims, Ahmad Diallo, and Patrick Roberts. And I usually only choose three players to, to list on the who to watch, so based on current form, who's playing and who I think is going to be the most danger, I'm going to choose Ross Stewart, Jack Clark and Ahmad Diallo just to cover. So Ross Stewart was out of our previous clash of the hamstring injury and he returned after quite a few games. He returned against Hull City a couple of games ago for the final 30 minutes and then he played the full 90 against Blackburn last time out. Scored in both games and he's certainly a player that we'd need to watch out for. 26 years old, from Scotland and he's only played eight games this season for Sunderland and he's failed to register a goal or an assist on only two occasions, which was Coventry in the season opener and Norwich back in game week six. He has a tally of six goals and three assists. Apparently he's pacey, a hard worker, and our injury hit back line with Jason Kerrow and Jack Watmore certainly going to be tested to their full abilities. Next up, we have Jack Clark. He came into our last game with four goals and four assists from the opening games, and in the 10 games since we last played them, he's only registered a further two assists. He's 22 years old and English, and he plays as like a left midfielder, left winger. But he's, he's still been clinical earlier in the season, and I think that to achieve double figures so far in goals and assists, you can't write him off as a threat, especially when you've, you know, you're given chances to Ross Stewart up front. And then finally, a player that I want to cover is Ahmad Diallo. I assume that Colo Torre is going to know him quite well, because Diallo is from the Ivory Coast. Colo Torre is the assistant manager, or was the assistant manager for the Ivory Coast as well. But when we last faced Sunderland, Diallo had no goals and no assists in the opening seven games. And I actually wrote in my last match preview that, that media attention was starting to pick up about Diallo and whether he was worth that £37.2 million price tag that Manchester United bought from Atlanta. 
and that he needs to kind of become an attacker that Tony Murray cannot keep out of the side. You know, he was really struggling to that point and it's a bit of a rocky start to English football, but in the 10 appearances since we've played them, he's scored five goals and provided one assist. And now he certainly is a player that Tony Murray just can't keep out of his side, especially if they want playoffs in their target for, for this season. He plays as a winger on the right, but also as an attacking midfielder sometimes, and he's been electrifying. And he's only going to get better with Ross Stewart back and Ellis Sims, so he is for sure in the Who to Watch players. Team selection is a really difficult one for this Sunderland game because, to be honest, we've been in such bad form and players that I really thought were going to try and dig us out haven't really. And I know that Colo Torre is in this experimental phase where he's trying to pick the players that he really likes to see and I think loyalty now we can well and truly say has gone out of the window we saw that a little bit with Liam Richardson Torre Betsy and Jahal have come in and it seems to be clean slate if you're not going to perform to the, the abilities that we want you know we're going to let somebody else have a go which I do like and I think from now until the end of the season we're going to see much more of it especially throughout this January transfer window but in my opinion so far this season we do have the players that can fight for wins but we have such a defensive naivety and we just let players have a yard or two on the ball closing them down isn't fast enough and if we don't start improving that we can go on a even bigger losing streak than we've seen this season because it just is not good enough but if we play like we did last time against Middlesbrough Sunderland could close this year out with their highest scoreline of the season so far so we're going to have got a lot to do Torre's got a lot to do and I really hope that the training ground this this week has been focusing on closing them players down and creating space when we're attacking as well. So starting off in goal, I would put Ben Amos in between the sticks in place of Jamie Jones. And that's not because I feel that Jones isn't up to the task, but he's just conceded seven goals in three games. And it's going to take a bit of a knock to you mentally. So maybe Amos can bring a bit of a solidarity and awareness that Jones you know, might be lacking at this point. Defensively, that's where I'd say where we're struggling most, especially at centre-back. We've got Jason Kerr and Jack Watmore both out injured. And Romani Emmons Green didn't feature in the Middlesbrough game, so I would maybe assume that he's on his way back to Huddersfield. You know, we've not had any word on an injury, so I would say that maybe he's going to go back to them and, and help them out. So that now leaves us with Curtis Till as the only first team defender, and obviously we saw Charlie Hughes make his championship debut against Middlesbrough, so that leaves us with the two of them. I think that Charlie Hughes can certainly do it, and to me, his stats were pretty good from the first game, despite the conceding of four goals, but I don't think that he was really to blame for a lot of that. Alongside them, I would stick with Ryan Niambi at right back for his pace, but I would also bring in Joe Bennett at left back role. For me, James McLean's making too many misplaced passes and we're just turning over possession far too frequently. And McLean isn't the only one. You know, Curtis Tilt, some of his passing is, is shocking and I don't understand where he thinks he's passing the ball. But for me, Bennett, he looks a bit more comfortable at left back than James McLean does. And he also looks around for options a little more than others do. Into midfield, we're crying out for some vision and composure. And I think that whilst we don't have them players yet, it's important to keep some consistency just to try and keep a bit of a flow to the side. Max Power got his first assist of the season last time out. And I would stick with him in the side. I think that Torre will. But when who to name alongside Power is a bit of the debate of the season. And after looking at Jordan Cousins' highlights, he didn't close down Watmore or Hackney well enough for the first two goals. And it's been a bit of a running theme this season. So I would maybe sit Jordan Cousins out for this one. Graham Shinney's not getting much of a look in. Whether he comes in for this game, I don't know. But if he does, I'm pretty, I'm sure that a lot of the Wigan fans are going to be happy about that. But for me, I would put Tom Naylor in that midfield position just for some defensive cover. And whilst he doesn't set the field alight, the challenges and the tackles that he does commit to, he often comes out the victor. So that's what we need right now. 
but I would go with Power and Naylor in the midfield. Now, if it was up to me and injuries weren't a problem, I would put Charlie White up top alongside Nathan Broadhead, but I think Charlie White is injured for this one. I don't think he's going to be playing, so I would maybe stick with Will Keane, Nathan Broadhead, Tello Asgard, and Callum Lang. It's a bit difficult to rule any of them at the starting eleven. You know, since the three games that Torres taken charge of, we've scored in each one, and it is Keane, Broadhead, and Asgard who have scored those goals. And often this season, we've overcommitted to a press and we're allowing space in between the lines for oppositions to work in. And if you want a perfect example of it, just go and watch the Middlesbrough game because we did it time and time and time again. We're creating so many of our own downfalls. And I think that attacking, I'd like to see us sit in a 4-2-3-1. But when defending, maybe switch to a 4-4-2 or even drop to a you know, to a back five. Let, let Naylor go into more of a centre-back role alongside Tilton Hughes and keep Keane and Broadhead up top for a counter-attack. We just need to start disrupting the passing lanes because it's just starting to get out of hand now. So earlier this week I was on the Progress of Unity podcast and Barry asked me what my game prediction would be and I went with a 2-2 draw because I want us to pick up a point here and then against Hull City I want us to go and get the full three points. A minimum of three over the next two games is exactly what we need. If we can get four that'd be even better but January is now one game away and I think that we are going to get some new additions to the side which I think is necessary because staying in the championship for me, I think is crucial and we can't afford to be relegated again. Whatever decisions Torrey makes from now until May, we've just got to back and just hope that it all works out as we need it because survival's needed and I think that the fallout from relegation is just going to be too big for uh, Phoenix's long-term plans for our sustainability. And having been in this position before where we are battling relegation, the moment that I start to worry is when I start looking at the fixtures around us and hoping that a lot of fixtures go our way. Like I want Huddersfield to keep losing. I want Hull, Blackpool, all of them to keep losing just because it helps us out. And if we were in a more of a stable position, I probably wouldn't be looking at the rest of the table. But just to run through the championship fixtures for this game week, we have QPR versus Luton Town tomorrow. That's the early kickoff. Then we have Wigan versus Sunderland, Blackburn versus Middlesbrough, Huddersfield versus Rotherham. And obviously we want Rotherham to win that one. Coventry versus Cardiff. I think Coventry are going to win that one. And again, it would help Wigan if Cardiff lost. Millwall versus Bristol City. West Brom versus Preston. Blackpool versus Sheffield United. And to be honest, I don't think that Blackpool have really got much hope in that one just because of how good Sheffield United are. And then on Friday, the 30th of December, we have Swansea versus Watford. Norwich versus Reading. Stoke versus Burnley. And then Birmingham versus Hull City. that is everything from me on the central wigan podcast obviously you can go over and listen to the progress of unity podcast where i was with barry paul pete and then we were joined by two special guests as well so you can go over to that and listen you can also subscribe to our substack which is our email newsletter straight to your inbox that is centralwigan.substack.com and of course i'll be posting all the match updates and all my thoughts and opinions on our twitter which is at central wigan but that is everything from me. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Central Wigan podcast and hopefully this one exports fine and you all get to hear it unlike the Borough one. I'll be back on this podcast and also the Progress of Unity podcast after the game where we'll do a full rundown and hopefully we get a point or the full three. But that is everything from me. Thank you very much and up the ticks.